Uh, Tonight's reading is from Acts 19, verses 1 to 20, and this can be found on page 1115 of the Church Bibles. Paul in Ephesus. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus, On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate, They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to those who were ill, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Cheva a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachma. In this way... The word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, what are you doing up there? You know, I'm not too keen about this new design of tent. It's supposed to be for a Roman soldier. Well, firstly, it's got a ladybird on it. And secondly, I think it's just a bit too small. How on earth is a Roman soldier supposed to get into this with all his armour and his pilum and his sword. Not one of your best ideas. Oh, 
Hello. I'm sorry. You are very early. I didn't notice you there at first. Well, we're not open until tomorrow. Have you seen the sign? Here we are in Ephesus. It's Grand Designs. It's the ideal home exhibition of AD 77, sponsored by BCTV. Well, yes, well, I know why you're here. You're here camping out because you want the best seats tomorrow, don't you, when the event starts. Am I correct? Yes, I'm sure. Now, which one of you is going to the gardening section? Come on, put your hands up. Mmm, yes, well done, yes. Everybody wants a bit of advice about their vegetables and their perennials. And is it, oh, what's his name? Alanis Titchmarshus, that's his name, isn't it? Yes. Uh, Oh, I can see that some of you, however, you're into interior design, aren't you? Yes? Which one of you is going to redesign your villa with new innovations in eco-design? Come on, come on. What's his name? Kevin McLaudius. That's the one, isn't it? Hmm. They're very, very passionate about their ideas. And what's more, I like it. Yes. Well, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but you happen to be here in the camping section. Yes, as you can see. Well, I'm obviously Paul. I'm an ex-Pharisee in the Jewish tradition. And tent making really isn't my forte. But my colleague Silas, who is around here somewhere, and I, we learned at a very good school of tent making with our friends Aquila and Priscilla in the city of Corinth on the other side of the Adriatic. I'm sure you're aware of it. And here you see the results. And now we have tents in all shapes and sizes to suit all purses. I'm sure that some of you, when you go traveling, want a uh, sort of imperial style of accommodation. Well, we have that for you. Hmm. And there's those of you who just want a day by the beach. Yes, well, we have that too. And as you've seen, my colleague Silas does like to experiment, but sometimes his ideas go a little astray. However, I must say, I would like to thank our sponsor, Lydia, a dealer in purple from the city of Thyatira. I'm sure you know it because we met up with that lovely lady in Philippi. We also want to thank those here in the city of Ephesus who have looked after us so well and shown us kind hospitality over these last two years. Now I have to say that thanks to the grace of God, our mission here in Ephesus so far has been a great success. The Spirit has moved among us with great power. It seemed very much from day one that things were going to happen. God had plans for us in this place. We had literally just arrived and we found some disciples. Twelve. Isn't that a coincidence? But when we talked to them, we quickly discovered that they weren't in fact disciples. They didn't know Jesus. They had only heard of John the Baptist and only experienced his baptism of repentance. So we told them about Jesus. The one John pointed to, the one whom John said he was not even worthy enough to undo his sandal strap. We were so happy to pray with these people, and what a transformation. It was then that the Holy Spirit came down in astonishing power, and the rest is history. These wonderful people just simply had not connected with Jesus. They thought they were disciples, but they hadn't even started. That connection with Jesus is vital to our Christian lives. Well, what a way to start. 
But you do have to realize, dear friends, that here in Ephesus, you live in a city wrought with superstition. Over the hill and not too far away, dominating the skyline is the temple of Artemis. It is reported to be one of the wonders of the Roman world and a virtual twin of that in Athens today. And with it goes the silver mine and the silversmiths making all manner of castings, jewelry and idols. The superstition, the temple, the silver trade are all linked and many people as a consequence are trapped in a cage. Trapped in a cage of superstition within these city walls. In fact, nobles will rise early in the morning and consult the auguries, where some poor animal is slain and its entrails inspected in such a way that how they flow can determine how you will fare in business, in politics, in relationships, whether you should go to war or make peace. Of course, there are others who look to the stars for guidance. A cluster of stars positioned in the sky close to the moon can mean one thing for one person and something completely different for another person. People in the city need liberation from this cage. They need Jesus. I suspect for hundreds of years to come there will still be people trapped in cages like these. Well, not long after our arrival, we spent time in the synagogue teaching the Jewish community about Jesus, explaining to them that God, through the scriptures of old, had demonstrated his great love for his people and that God had a plan to rescue them from their sin and bring them to himself. It was part of his grand design. But for many, it was a step too far. While many joined us and followed us and became disciples, there were those who argued, argued and maligned us publicly. So we left that place and set up here in Tyrannus Hall. And every day you can come to this place and hear the good news of Jesus Christ and his grand design for mankind. Well, I suppose after being in God's will for such time since since my own Damascus Road experience, you get used to God working in extraordinary ways. Ephesus here is such a center for trade, and we have met people from all over the Roman world who've had their lives changed through committing themselves to Jesus Christ. It is frankly humbling to see God at work in such miraculous ways. The faith demonstrated here is mind-blowing. It is said that people will touch us with a piece of cloth and take it to someone who is sick and God will heal. Well, what can you say to that? When all the, with all the sorcery and idolatry here, that in the same way evil spirits are released from people. The removal of such evil spirits is a testament to the power of God. And the word of this has spread like wildfire throughout the city. You can imagine it in the tavern, in the port, in the street, in the marketplace, everybody is talking about Jesus. There is not one place, ladies and gentlemen, in this city where they are not talking about the impact that God is having on their lives. There are lessons to be learnt, of course. The name and power of Jesus are not to be trifled with. It is not some game or sport as some Jews have found out to their cost. You see, it's not enough 
to be able to talk about Jesus, to know about holy things, to make a show of religious practice. It's about being connected with Jesus. Without that connection, there is no power in our Christian lives, and we are but clashing cymbals, empty vessels, or noisy gongs. It always amazes me how God can make the most of any situation. The sight of naked Jewish men running for their lives was not only shocking, but stories of this incident spread. Everyone was awestruck and the name of the Lord Jesus was praised. Our new Christian brothers and sisters quickly realized that it can't be Jesus plus something else. Some other form of religion or spirituality or power. Jesus will tolerate no rivals because he is the king. New believers confess their ways. They shine a light on the darkness that used to be in their hearts. They turn away from that darkness as they turn towards Jesus. It is a great privilege to see this happen. But it's not just an inward turning around. It is a public, visible, and costly form of repentance for some. Did you see that big bonfire? It was blazing for hours. A number of those who practice magic in the city collected their books and burned them publicly. And when the value of this was calculated, it came to 50,000 silver coins. That is an awful lot of money. And it all went up in smoke burned on the fire to signal the turning away from these magic books and scrolls and incantations. There was no going back. Mind you, why would they want to go back now that they had Jesus? Well, I hope that someday someone will write about our adventures in some book or other, but more importantly, that they will teach others and tell others about the wonderful things that God is doing in this city. And what about us in this place here tonight? As we hear the word of God, how will we respond to God's grand design? Do we stubbornly refuse to change? Like so many outside, trapped in a world of superstition? Do we push Jesus away and refuse to have anything to do with him, put our fingers in our ears and refuse to listen? Will we seek to use Jesus for our own ends? Is Jesus simply just a backup strategy to help us get what we want? Perhaps a way of furthering our own ends. Jesus will not be mocked. His power and his glory is not up for negotiation. Do we really hear the good news of Jesus, believe it and get connected with him? And as we turn to him to turn away from our deeds of darkness and destroy them, in such a way that there is no return. It is in this way that the word of the Lord can be heard by all, and the word of the Lord grows mightily and prevails. Lord God, we long for your grand design in our day. Come in power as we continue to hear and receive your word. May we find are all in you and humbly serve you in all our days. For your glory we pray. Amen.